in Password Podcast with your host, Sean Geek, doing another solo here this morning. Why are we doing so many solos? Well, this is only number two, so it's not that many, but um, primarily, time is tight. And if I get up really early in the morning, I can do this by myself, get it done, and make sure that we are not missing the schedule, which to me is holy. We've released weekly for six plus years. We've missed it twice in that time. I am not going to miss a deadline. I never missed a deadline when I was writing the Simca comic, which ran for 36 months, writing 22 to 30 pages of prose monthly in a serialized version of the Simca comic. I ain't going to do it here. I'm going to be on time. But this coming Sunday, so today is the, I don't even know what today is. Today is the 12th of May. This coming Sunday, Todd will be making his return. We're going to talk about a whole bunch of shit like we always do. But things are busy. We're heading towards KeyCon. So when KeyCon comes around, oh boy, do we get a lot of stuff planned. And I'm still trying to wrap my head around exactly what we're going to do at KeyCon, but we're doing lots. So I wanted to talk about today. I was trying to figure out what am I going to talk about? How am I going to keep something interesting solo? And what can I talk about solo that I can't talk about with Todd? Because I don't want Todd to fall asleep. I don't want Todd to be bored out of his gourd. But something happened last week. And you know what? I've been off kilter ever since it did. I knew it was coming, but I am, it's, it's unfortunate because it came on the heels of two other things. And honestly, it was the straw that broke the camel's back for me. So what am I talking about? Well, a very good friend of the show. He's been on the show, Shannon Mack, his mom passed away. And on the same day, um, Corey's best bud, Corey of the show, who's a regular reoccurring guest on this show, who basically named me Sean Geek. His, uh, his best friend, uh, Doug, passed away. Those two deaths happened on the same morning. And it's incredibly unfortunate and incredibly saddening. And I don't have the words and I express my heart most. I big hugs to those two and their families and it's not easy and um i didn't know shane's mom but i love shane he's my brother and uh, you know it goes without saying about Corey. Corey is i mean he's a part of this team he's part of been part of my life for so long now and incredibly important and i had the chance to meet his friend doug and doug was gold he was just so freaking cool. So I do want to tip my hat. So I was trying to offer my best condolences I could. And then um, I don't like seeing those two guys sad. I, re- I really, at the end of the day, seeing those two side, seeing those two people that I'm so close to being sad and seeing them broken up about this. It just, it's such a hard, 
thing for me to deal with. And I, you know, the older we get, there's a lot more grief in our lives. There's a lot more things that go wrong and we lose people that we don't want to lose. So uh, this week, I guess it was this week, this weekend, actually. So a few days after those two gentle souls went into the ether, um, George Perez passed away. Now, some of you won't know who George Perez is. Some that listen to the show will certainly know who George Perez is. I don't think, you know, when Prince passed away, it was like this big thing and everyone was crying and there was these tributes, memorials, and everybody was, you know, reminding people how important Prince was in their lives and into pop culture and into everything. And he was, a, you know, a genius and all this sort of stuff. And uh, let's see, the, the same level of that was Michael Jackson passing away, uh, Freddie Mercury passing away. Like there was all these just outpourings and people openly crying and weeping and, oh my God, I can't believe it. You know, all this just mass mourning for these people. I'm going to tell you right now that this is mine. I, uh, I knew he was sick because he was very open about what he was going through. But George informed so much of my comics. Like, I, I own so much George Perez. So who is George Perez? I guess I should clarify for those who don't really know who he is, but he was a incredible artist. He worked for Marvel. He worked for DC. He worked for Malibu. He was a creator without par. And I'm going to tell you right now, the things that, because comics are cool now, right? Everyone loves comic book movies, comic book movies that put comics into the spotlight. Then we have people who never read comics going to comic stores or going to Amazon or going to whatever, going to Goodreads to find, you know, hey, what should I read next? And they're doing it because of these movies. Now, these movies, the storylines in these movies are homages and they borrow and we wouldn't have the rebirth of comic book stuff in movie form without George Perez. George, his attention to detail, not just in his art, but in his love for these characters, his attention to detail was always so important. He could draw a, a scene with like 60, 70, 120 characters in a panel, and his attention to detail was meticulous. The way he drew just rocks the way he drew um, little details like on Spider-Man, like the webs on his costume, like just every single thing was just so freaking detailed. And it was very important to him to get it right. So he was, he was involved and responsible for some of the biggest storylines in comics, period, period. 
um, growing up, uh, I was familiar with his work on Avengers. Um, he was working with, uh, boy, this is hard. I'm, I'm sorry, guys. I'm just, I'm, you have no idea how important this guy was to me in, in terms of informing how I write comics. Like I've, you know, I mentioned earlier Simca, right? Like I had an attention to detail in that. And even though I'm writing the way I write is informed on George Perez. How would George lay that panel out? And I'm thinking in my head, I need to lay it out in a way like he would. Because you gotta, you gotta keep in mind when someone's writing a comic and they give that script to the artist, in most cases, the artist is taking that script and making that, making that visual out of that script and determining the pacing of how scenes are gonna work. So in, in effect, he's the director of a film deciding you know dictating to the uh director of photography well there's no director of photography in comic books there's a director of all and he's deciding how that shot's going to be framed how it's going to be paced is it going to be fast paced is it going to be slow paced is it going to be a claustrophobic panel to incite claustrophobia in the viewer that the artist does all that stuff. So when I was scripting Simca, the amount of detail I put into, I didn't just write a script and it was, you know, three to 10 pages of script. I did 22 to 30 pages of script per issue for what would be considered a 22 page comic. And I detailed the hell out of it. And I detailed it so that if, anyone were to draw this comic, they would be drawing it a la George Perez. That level of detail. And that's why my scripts were that big because I wanted it to describe it in the same way that George would lay it out. And that was, I'll be honest, I wanted George to draw my stuff. I even thought about getting a loan and trying to hire the guy, not that he'd work with, you know, a jabroni like me, but I always envisioned him drawing my stuff. I mean, there's other artists that, that you know, that, that, that I love as well. Like he's not the only artist I like, but to be honest, the other artists I like all borrow a page from George. Look at John Byrne's stuff. John and John Byrne and George Perez, very, very similar, very similar. Alan Davis, obviously he's you know he's one of my faves like for sure like i own a lot of alan davis stuff and i will say that alan davis borrows heavily from george and i mean that in a complimentary way davis does have his own style but you can see the way he lays things out there's a lot of george in there george influences everybody he influences writers he influences artists so my love for George began with the old Avengers comics and I get a bunch of his of old Avengers comics. And I guess uh, he started working on the Avengers way back in issue 141, which is forever ago. This is the 1970s. And um, 
he was great. You know, he was great. And then, um, I mean, he also drew like stuff like, geez, like he drew the Korvac saga, which I, of course I have a, I have some, I have some of the issues because the older issues, I don't have everything because I lost stuff, you know, that typical mom makes you throw stuff out, but I do have the collected work of Korvac. The Korvac saga was like next level. Amazing. Um, you know, George created the Taskmaster which we saw in the Black Widow movie. That's his creation, by the way. But anyway, the, I mean, I'd see his name, I'd see his art and know it was him. And then I'd see the name. And then he kind of progressed on to the new Teen Titans, which there would be no Teen Titans Go. There would be no Titans, the kind of adult-oriented show. Um, some of the various Teen Titan cartoons over the years like that that version of Teen Titans, none of that stuff would, would have existed without George. The fact that the characters that Robin actually became cool was because of George Perez, because Robin in the new Teen Titans was wicked. He made him cool. Changeling or Beast Boy, whatever you want to call him, Raven, Starfire, Wonder Girl. Like this is this is all George. George made all these lame psychic characters into cool characters. Now we got to give some credit to Marv Wolfman. Marv Wolfman was the writer, but I feel that their collaboration together they brought the best out of each other. And the new Teen Titans was huge. You guys, you know, you often hear about how big the X Men were. You know, Wolverine, Cyclops. Jean Grey, like all that stuff was huge. That was like the biggest title for Marvel when all those storylines were going on, like the Phoenix saga, all that huge, the biggest for Marvel. Well, at DC, it was the new Teen Titans. And honestly, between the new Teen Titans and X-Men, like they were the two, the two big titles at both of those companies. Huge. And interestingly enough, there was also a crossover between the X-Men and New Teen Titans. That's how big they were. They did that crossover, which was really, really good. Of course, I own that one. But they, they reinvented, Wolfman and Perez reinvented how comics could be both adult, but good for kids. They found a nice blend of blending in real-world problems into super-powered beings. Real teenage problems. It was just, just beautiful. Like, Neil Adams, Denny O'Neill were doing the same thing over on Green Lantern, Green Arrow, and Batman and stuff like that. And, you know, we, we could talk about losing that great as well, but let's let's stick on george here for for today um from there george went and did the art on crisis on infinite earths and it is no surprise that dc the cinematic dc is going to be borrowing heavily from this um it is the um Again, it was Mark Wolfman too, by the way. 
he wrote this amazing, amazing, amazing thing. Crisis is still regarded as one of the top tier preeminent um, limited series of all time. There's nothing that can even come close to topping this. Marvel tried to follow this for years with a lot of their own. Um, it's just next level. Go check out Crisis. It is it is like a top five, um, top five trade paperback of all time that every person that's ever read a comic book needs to own. It doesn't get bigger than that. That was George. Mm-hmm. He followed he followed that with Wonder Woman, and he basically reimagined Wonder Woman. Um. And um, it was it made Wonder Woman cool. It it just made her cool because to be honest, Wonder Woman is one of those great characters that's often been misused throughout the years, overly sexualized at other times. She wasn't, you know, the Wonder Woman, like the Wonder Woman movie. To me, that came from George Perez's run on Wonder Woman. It was just just gorgeous the way his his layouts and everything. Oh boy. It's just so cool. But anyway, um he also worked on Infinity Gauntlet with Jim Starlin, which was this giant crossover event, I guess, a la Crisis on Infinite Earths, but for Marvel. And uh again, the Infinity War. Marvel movies are based on the Infinity Gauntlet. And hey, look, there again, George Perez. But for me, the penultimate, which I keep going back to over and over and over again and reread it over and over and over and over again, was his run on Avengers in the 90s. So there was an event that happened in Marvel where they basically killed everybody off. And it was, uh, it was called heroes reborn, I believe, or something like that. And they, what they did is they brought back all the artists, a whole bunch of artists that they'd lost to image and brought them all back to redo all of the books. And uh, there was a heroes reborn version of the Avengers was very good and then there was the i don't know if it was an event as per se but there was the hero's return where they just brought everything back into regular continuity they get rid of the avenger you know the reborn thing was all done it was like i don't know 12 issues of various titles so to to do this storyline they brought kurt Busiek in and kurt Busiek um he did um he he i think he i don't know what the story is i mean i'm not behind the scenes here i'm not i'm just a nerd and i read comics i I don't know all the stories i don't know any of these people personally obviously but um i believe he handpicked george and george was just delighted to work in the avengers and they did um i think it was like a five-year run i believe it was five years let's see 
Uh, oh yeah, that's right. So he also worked on Hulk Future and Perfect. So I was reading um, Hulk at the time. I was a huge Hulk fan. Peter David's run on Hulk was ridiculous. And uh, he and uh, George went and did like a, I don't know if it was a four issue thing or not, but again, it was great. It's attention to detail. It was this, this is the one that introduced the maestro future Hulk um, and explained his origins and all that sort of stuff. And it was wicked. Um, anyway, so, so from there, um, I'm just reading the, uh, when this started here, just to kind of give you guys a, you know, a bit of a chronology. Uh, so he was there for three years. Wow, three years. Or five massive hardcovers that I had to have <clears throat> and I bought. And apparently they're being released as omnibuses. But I mean, I've got all five hardcover editions. So their run on Avengers covered a lot of really cool stuff. And it it might be my favorite run, like outside of like the original Uncanny X-Men, you know, John Burns run on that. <clears throat> this is, might be my favorite comic run of anything ever. Um, and incredibly inspiring in the way that I do any writing that I've done. And I've used that as inspiration in a lot of my writing. So on this run, they returned the Avengers after this horrible Heroes Reborn baloney. <clears throat> and then, um, Oh my God, <laughs> it's ridiculous. They had this whole thing where all the Avengers returned. Like that's how, that's how the series opened. Every single Avenger ever returned, but there was some really warped thing with Morgan Le Fay. And um, it really just like, I don't know. It was like this, there was so many characters and in, in the cover was George Perez just drawing everybody and anybody that would have ever been an Avenger. So <clears throat> this ran for a few issues and then they, you know, settled on a, 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 a lineup of Avengers uh, that was going to be down to seven, seven members. And um, this is why I like George. This is one of those, one of those many reasons I like George is they decided to him and music decide, okay, like who's going to be on this team? Who are we going to have? You kind of have to have the mainstays, right? You know, the Captain America, Iron Man, Thor sort of stuff. But how do we make this interesting and different and have a different dynamic to the team? Because the Avengers have always like just swapped members out. You know, if Thor's not in there, Hercules is in there. Or, you know, if Iron Man's not in there, maybe War Machine's in there. I don't know. Like they're always like flipping the lineups around. So this is what made me fall in love is I was reading The New Warriors. And I was a huge fan of the new Warriors comic. It was, it was just just superb. It was great. It brought Firestar from Spider-Man and his amazing friends. She was on the team um, in there. And Justice, uh, Vance Astrovic or Vance Astro. I don't know. He's Guardians of the Galaxy. The original Guardians of the Galaxy, not the movie version. <clears throat> so they brought, they decided to bring the two members of the new Warriors in. Justice and Firestar two complete rookies they're teenagers and they are training to be avengers on the team so that's really cool because it brings a dynamic of 
um, justice. I mean, he's he's a he's an uber nerd in regards to superheroes, and he knows every superhero, and he knows every superhero's superpower, and he knows so much about them. And he was just geeking out being on this team and trying to prove his worth as a superhero. Um, but it also brought other characters too, like um, uh, Warbird or. Um, as you know, Captain Marvel, Linda Danvers, she is brought on the team and her, the way that these two put her on the team and worked her in the team is what made me fall, like truly, truly fall in love with Captain Marvel as a character. It was so real and just made her cool. And honestly, from her stint, on this book, I went back and started reading all her stuff with the X-Men because she had tons of ties with the X-Men and lots of appearances. And, you know, so I started going back through my X-Men collection just to kind of read all that stuff because I just wanted to go back and go, oh, yeah, she was so great. But another character they they did really well with was Scarlet Witch. Um, and on so so here here's here's some interesting stuff. So in the movies and, and the WandaVision show, we keep talking about this chaos magic. Well, this was introduced in the Avengers under George. So her mutant power is actually controlling something called chaos magic. That's when it was, it was introduced in this Avenger series. Um, Wonder Man, who's always been one of my favorites, but he's probably a D-list character. Incredibly powerful, but he's just... He's D-list, and he became A-list under George. Um, I've always liked Wonder Man. He's just cheesy, and uh, I don't know. He's he's just great. Um, and his under in his understanding of vision, I think a lot of the one division stuff that we saw, the stuff in the movies, again comes from this Avengers run. Actually, we're going to see a lot of things that relate to the Avengers movies and the Avengers characters in the movies. Again, come from George. Um, but he also brought in like, um, triathlon, I think was the character and silver claw. So two new characters and, uh, kind of made them cool, but he tied triathlon into, uh, a character 3d man from the seventies, which was a comic that I used to collect, but they had a, a very definite Ultron arc in there that was phenomenal, which again, inspired the Avengers movies. Um, but the how this series ended was phenomenal. And I think it ran for a year. And I think within within that span of time, I think George took a, a break, I think to work on JLA Avengers, which is a whole other thing. Um, but anyway, regardless, um, the, the, the thing ended with the Kang dynasty. And it was a storyline in which actually Kang beats the Avengers, takes over the world. He has not, like, he's beaten the Avengers and there's internment camps. Um, it is very, some ways reminiscent of world war two shenanigans and by shenanigans, I, I'm really downplaying what happened in world war two. Let's, let's not downplay that. But Kang was on the level of a tyrant and slaves and all this stuff. He was a true, true bad guy. Like, he, he's completely evil. And again, we're seeing Kang in 
the MCU. So, and a lot of it's going to be bored from here. I can already, you know, see the, the parallels. But this storyline basically, I think, ran for a year where the Avengers cannot, they're, they're, they're defeated. And the world is owned by Kang, and he's finally conquered Earth. And somehow, through incredible writing and incredible illustration, they overcome Kang. And it is one of the greatest comebacks in comic history. But he needed to be stopped. He was, God, it just made him so evil. I'm going to finish off with the creme de la creme, which was recently re-released. Um, George did a lot of stuff with the Heroes Initiative, which was basically um, creating a fund to pay comic industry people that kind of never really get paid well over the years because comic people have never really been paid well, or a lot of them have not, especially back in you know the 40s, 50s, 60s. And he was part of that and in raising funds and in, in giving money to, you know, deserving people that have retired and, and could never make a living off the comic industry. Um, so they re-released JLA Avengers. And this was a crossover between the Justice League of America, you know, the, the big team for DC, and the Avengers, the big team for Marvel. And they had a team up. So we're seeing... Thor going head to head with uh, Superman. We're seeing Captain America, you know, uh, talking morals and stuff with with Superman. And we're seeing like, you know, speedster versus speedster. We're seeing Quicksilver and we're seeing the Flash and we're seeing Wonder Woman. We're seeing, you know, Wonder Woman interacting with Thor, you know, and she's she's a god, right? In DC and, you know, Thor's a god in Marvel. So this series was, again, music was with him. And they did this. And I think this was, I could be wrong, but this is when he took time off of Avengers to do this. Um, he developed, I think, tendonitis and a bunch of other stuff like this from just drawing the crazy detail he put into those four books. And again, great. Just great. Just phenomenal. But anyway, um, George, I'm going to miss you, but I am going to be using everything I've learned from you and you didn't directly teach me, but you taught us all. And we wouldn't have an MCU as rich and as vibrant as we do without you. The Avengers wouldn't be the hit comic book it was without you. Wonder Woman might still be, you know, lingering in some sort of C-level status character if you hadn't, you know, given her the props that she deserves as a character and made her reminded people how important wonder woman needs to be like without you comics would not be great they might just be good you brought that to everybody so toast to george big toast to george um i just want to go back and read your work and just make sure your work is always always fresh in my mind, always at the forefront of how I write and how I visualize things and how the details matter. See you guys on the flip side. Thanks for listening. Go buy anything with George. Honestly, just go buy anything that has George. We'll see you guys on the flip side. Fans of the Sean Geek Podcast, this is the Core Geek talking at you. 
Did you know that the Sean Geek Podcast has merch available? That's right. Head on over to seanmcginnity.ca and click the merch link at the top of the page. You'll be taken to the Sean Geek Podcast store on TeePublic, where you can find the Sean Geek Podcast logo on t-shirts, totes, masks, and more. And best of all, a portion of the sales goes to help support the podcast and allow Sean and Todd to keep bringing great content your way. Once again, go to seanmcginnity.ca and click the merch link at the top of the page. And while you're there, don't forget to download the latest episode. 